Hello and welcome to Net Zero Investors series of Better World Interviews sponsored by CCLA, where we speak to people whose work addresses the climate crisis in a variety of ways. I am Aisha Gilmore and today I am joined with Jessica Andrews, Investor Lead at the United Nations Environment Programme Finance Initiative, known as UNEP-FI. UNEP-FI catalyzes action across the financial system to align economies with sustainable development. It has established some of the most important sustainability-oriented frameworks within the finance industry, including incubating the principles for responsible investment and brings together the UN with the global group of over 450 banks, insurers and investors representing assets of more than $100 trillion to develop the sustainable finance and responsible investment agendas. Jessica, thank you for joining us today and welcome. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. So speaking of aligning economies and with sustainable development, let's start with how do you see the investment industry contributing to Paris alignment? Well, Aisha, it's a journey and it has been a journey, but it's also one that has a long way to go. Um, UNEPIFI, as you mentioned, has been working with banks and insurers investor for 30 years uh, since the Rio Earth Summit. And we've been working with them across a range of environmental and social issues. But it was really in the Paris Agreement, Article 2.1c, where we really locked in this commitment from the global financial community to achieve climate outcomes. Um, that's where countries agreed to align global financial flows with uh, a temperature outcome. And so since then, we've really been um, seeing a lot of work um, really accelerate in this space. In 2019, UNIPIFI helped launch the first group of investors, now known as the UN Convened Net Zero Asset Owner Alliance, um, to commit to transitioning their portfolios to 2050. And now we see that this is trans, um, transferred across the financial industry to over 100 trillion in assets under management committed to 2050. That doesn't mean though that all of those assets are currently aligned, they're committed to aligned. So a lot needs to go into um, carrying forward this journey and making sure that we uh, keep it moving in the right direction. So Jessica, you've talked about investors' commitment to Paris alignment, but how do they deliver on it? When it comes to actually mobilizing this commitment they've made to net zero portfolios by 2050, loan books, et cetera, um, it really is first about understanding the carbon content in their portfolios. And the first thing that they really have to do is identify their baseline. So how are their investments contributing to emissions in the real economy? And that's typically through taking a sector specific approach. So for each sector, the way that they contribute emissions to the economy is different. So we can think of um, oil and gas, obvious example, but also cement and the automotive industry, how that's, that's contributing. And that really the first step is to understand where the carbon is in the portfolio, what are the risks presented, what are the opportunities presented from a net zero transition. Um, and from there, once they have that carbon baseline, investors typically begin to really um, hit the accelerator and they start to look at uh, targets across different asset classes or different sectors. They really start to dig into the data and the data requirements are, you know, really can't be understated. Um, and then they start to look at, you know, what is the enabling environment around them? So 
How can they contribute through blended finance to emerging markets in this transition? How can they work with policymakers to help unlock some of the regulations that um, are required to mobilize this throughout the industry? And we really see that in order to deliver on the commitment, um, they really have to kind of dig into a wide range of details across a huge amount of um, assets and sectors. And really um, what happens is that they're engaging specific companies in the real economy and determining whether or not those companies are moving in a way that is uh, sufficient to achieve the climate objectives that they've committed to and that the global um, environment has committed to and where those you know, real economy companies are not, um, you know, what to do about them, how they can help and further um, engage these companies or, or potentially also divest from these companies. With the future in mind, what are the next concrete steps that can be taken as opposed to stating aspirational goals? So I just talked about what an individual investor needs to do. Um, that goes for asset owners and asset managers. It's really about understanding where they're at and how they're contributing um, both to the problem and the solution, um, how they're engaging with real economy companies, how they're engaging with um, policymakers. Um, our alliances have, for example, called on policymakers to um, set a carbon price um, or have you know, engaged in policy consultations to help um, align methodologies and approaches so that when we talk about disclosures or we talk about transition plans, we're talking about the same things. Um, and so investors really you know, are, are taking these steps individually and also collectively. But then when we step, take a step back and look at the sort of wider ecosystem, um, the voluntary initiatives, the conveners of those like UNFFI, uh, you know, the UN more broadly, the UNFCCC, the scientific community, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, all of these communities are really working collectively on this challenge because it's really the economy that needs to transition. Investors have such a huge role to play there. And so collectively, what we're really working on is accountability. Um, how does, you know, what do I mean by accountability? Well, I think it means a couple things. Um, investors have, you know, made this commitment. They're taking these contract concrete actions we discussed, but then they are also um, trying to report and transparently show where emissions reductions are coming from and also where some of the sticking points. So the Asset Owner Alliance, for example, every year um, releases in January a new target setting portfolio, a protocol, excuse me, um, that covers more and more assets and sectors. Um, so, for example, covering equities, bonds, real estates. But over time, we need to cover more and more sectors so and asset classes. So sovereign debt and mortgages, residential mortgages are trickier asset classes that we're starting to look at. Um, and we're covering more sectors too, sectors that are not typically thought of immediately when it comes to the energy transition, but are nonetheless very important, um, like agriculture, for example. Uh, so moving beyond some of the hard to pay sectors like oil and gas and cement and steel. Um, and so it's about kind of understanding how each of these sectors, each of these asset classes are contributing, what that means for the portfolio, and then trying to align how we talk about them so that when we acknowledge certain achievements or we acknowledge certain barriers, we're speaking the same language across the industry. Um, and that really means that we've got to align our definitions and our methodological approaches to making these commitments and then you know, delivering on them. Another topic I wanted to highlight in this interview was greenwashing. 
We read a lot in the media about accusations of greenwashing and that currently some institutions might feel hesitant to put their head above the parapet and make some such commitments. So my question to you is, when the financial institutions do make their net zero pledges, how do they know if their pledges will stand up to science and wider scrutiny? This is a really valid question. Um, and I think one that builds on the accountability question and one that we're thinking about a lot. We're really seeing this play out too in, in certain environments that having a credible commitment um, can mean different things to, to different communities. And some of those commitments are quite ambitious um, and really pushing the boundaries of what we know um, as standard business practice. And so, you know, really shaking some things up. UNFI has been thinking about this for a while. So back in 2021, uh, so two years ago, uh, UNFI was uh, able to contribute a paper to the G20. So the largest economies in the world are really starting to take this very seriously. And in that paper, we set out 11 recommendations for how a financial institution, so investors, but also insurers and banks, can make credible, transparent commitments to net zero and how they can do that really based in the science. And so what we first recommended first and foremost is that you take the science into your commitment. And that means that you're ensuring that accumulated emissions over the next 30 years stay below that carbon budget as given by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And you work with different companies in different sectors to track progress against these scientific pathways. It's the very kind of, um, at, at the heart of all of it. And these 11 recommendations, I, I really do want to call, you know, your viewers to, um, to them um, because they really do set out our thinking on kind of what is the highest uh, credibility for uh, financial institutions in setting these types of targets. But I'm going to cover just five, so we won't go through all 11. Um, but the five main ones are really using these science-based pathways. And what that means is when a pathway has an assumption or an input, that you're factoring that into your decision-making as you make your investment decisions. So if a pathway assumes a certain amount of renewables, are you planning you know, your investments that in line with that, for example? The second thing is that you're really establishing near-term targets. So this means that we're checking at, at periodic progress points. Um, we, I, we recommend every five years because that's in line with the global um, economy stock take that we do in the UFCCC for governments. And we're really putting the governments and the private sector next to each other so we can create this you know, um, beneficial cycle in, in between the two of them. The second thing that we're, or the third thing that we're saying is that we should really cease investments in new fossil fuels. New fossil fuels are not predicted in any of the credible scientific scenarios. So investments can be made to upgrade efficiency, but bringing online new capacity is not something that we see in the science. And that's an important piece um, to this puzzle. The fourth thing that I want to touch on is really that we've really recommended transparency across GHG emissions. So making sure that your inventory of GHG emissions is complete accurate, reflects the best reporting standards, um, and that you're being as transparent as possible. And, and it is tricky. Um, associating missions with, you know, shares in certain companies can be challenging, but there's a lot of work going on to try to help um, attribute that properly. And then finally, the last one is 
you know, I, I talked about earlier, trickier asset classes, um, you know, known sectors, but as we move to cover whole portfolio, that means the emissions scope has to increase across different sectors, across different asset classes where this attribution might be trickier. And we really encourage striving for full coverage as soon as possible, even though data gaps persist. And really also eventually addressing scope three where it makes sense, where um, you know those scope three uh, emissions are critical to what a company is uh, influencing in the global economy and how investors can interact with that company or that sector to you know reduce uh, that impact. Fantastic, thanks. I think definitely on transparency and your point on that, I think that is something the whole investment industry is trying to achieve at the moment, especially with greenwashing in mind. But coming away from that, Jessica, you are also senior project manager for the UN convened Asset Owner Alliance, where you lead 2025 portfolio target setting with investors. So with assets in mind, how do you see the relationship between asset owners and asset managers evolving? Yeah, this is a they will increasingly need to work together. Um, we're seeing that happen already quite a lot. And this, the alliance that you mentioned um, recently released a paper, a call to action of asset managers, uh, asking them to meet certain um, criteria, expectations to really also um, sort of join hands, join forces in this mission and to try to advance things as quickly as possible. So calling on them to make their own net zero commitments, um, working with them to develop the types of products and services that an asset owner requires from an asset manager. And really, you know, an asset manager can take action when that asset owner gives that mandate to align with net zero. And so we need to also encourage other asset owners to, to request that of, of asset managers. Um, and also with the data and service providers, you know, data is, a, is an issue, methodologies for how emissions are associated or targets are set are still, you know, very much a topic of discussion. And so, you know, asset owners and asset managers and the wider ecosystem will need to work together to try to align and harmonize these standards first as this voluntary part of the initiative um, industry, but over time, it's also going to become more and more a part of regulations um, globally, we think. And so it's important that as much as possible, investors, both asset owners and asset managers are getting on the train now uh, because it is moving and, and trying to help shape that standardization where they can so that it reflects you know, best practice in the industry um, and then is being taken up across the industry at large. Great. And coming on to another key theme, recently, the interconnectedness of environmental and social goals and outcomes. How do you see that space evolving in relation to the asset management industry? We are the UN, so we've been focusing on the sustainable development goals and even before that, the millennium development goals for some time. Uh, and these are cross-cutting, but also, as you mentioned, the UN Environment Program, we focus particularly on the environment. So across our programming through the principles for responsible banking, the principles for sustainable insurance, our work with PRI, the principles for responsible investment, we cover a lot more than just the climate topic or even just the environmental topic. So there is a huge you know, connectivity here. Uh, and investors who are working on these topics, this ESG, know that it's you know, very complicated and that a lot of these factors are intertwined. Um, we see that most with the just transition. So looking at how industries are transitioning uh, away from their fossil fuel dependence and what that means for 
for workers or certain economies. And also we see that play out between emerging markets and developed markets. So you know, what are the social and justice elements in an industry transition or in an uh, energy transition for certain countries? And I think that's something that the interplay between them is something that we've been focusing on for quite a while at Unipify. We really encourage holistic management of all of these items. Um, and we really try, what we try to do is bring together organizations on a voluntary basis to work on practical solutions for these items so that we can have a more holistic approach to sustainability at large and not just you know, siloing one item by another. Of course, we see a lot of advancements and a lot of energy put into the climate space, but I think the more that we dig in to the climate issue, we realize um, just as you said, the interconnectedness with other issues, um, such as biodiversity or you know the use of land in nature. And last month, we just saw the conclusion of the um, Convention on Biological Diversity COP, and that has its own Paris Agreement 2.1c equivalent. Um, their goal D focuses on aligning financial flows with uh, the goals of that nature agreement, and so. We're going to see more and more that, you know, it's not possible to address one topic at a time, but rather you need to take a, a more holistic approach and ensure that, you know, benefits you're achieving in one sector, impacts you're achieving in one area, that they don't have trade-offs and negative impacts on another. And kind of rounding up everything you have said in this interview, what are the key takeaways and areas of focus for asset owners and asset managers you'd like to see? I think if you aren't already thinking about some of these topics deeply, uh, investors really need to start. And I think you're going to want to be a part of the leading group uh, because today investors are developing and leading the way on these methodologies and practices. Um, and that influence will you know, span out through the rest of the industry. And that I think is really something that investors are gonna to want to be a part of. They're going to need to really work with others to harmonize across the industry. Um, we see the voluntary initiatives, the voluntary leading initiatives already doing that, um, but it requires input across, across, the, across the ecosystem. So working with as I mentioned, data and service providers, working with you know other initiatives that are convening, working with civil society, working with policymakers. There's quite a lot to do to bring this together. Um, and I think the very last thing I would hope that you know your audience takes away is we really need to focus on the science. We really need to understand it. The transition looks different for each sector in the economy. And so investors really need to know what that means for each sector, what the benchmarks should be, what the actions should be, what technologies need to be developed, um, what, you know, where they can find those emissions reductions for each sector. Um, and so really digging into the science and understanding it is going to help them be better stewards of capital. It's going to help them speak with the industry uh, in a more, nuanced way in a way that you know takes on board the practical constraints that the industry has but also links it back ultimately to this global carbon budget that we're trying to preserve. I think that was a great point to end this Better World interview on. Thank you so much Jessica for joining Net Zero Investor today and I'd like to thank our Better World sponsor CCLA. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.